Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back with us this morning as we try to answer some of your questions on Know Your Bible. And that's what we do is take viewers' questions. We let you direct the program. There'll be a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen all the way through the program. You can use those anytime. And let us know what you'd like us to talk about. We get to some real detailed questions about a verse or a passage or a doctrine. Uh, we get a lot of life questions about uh, what's going on in people's lives, raising families, finances, uh, all kinds of decisions that folks have to make. And they want to know what the Bible has to say about that. So those are the kind of things we deal with and are happy to deal with because we want you to know your Bible a little bit better. So use one of those numbers anytime. Get in touch with us and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Let me introduce my co-host here, Mr. Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. I'm glad you're here and studied up and ready to go. I'm Steve Tandy, and we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can today. But we always start with one for our viewing audience. Let you and your family discuss that during the program. Uh, what brothers did Jesus call the sons of thunder? Uh, two boys that uh, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. They must have been just a little bit rowdy, I imagine. <laughs> so uh, we'll give you their names at the end of the program, but you and your folks at the home there try to figure that one out. And let's just get going on some of these questions. I got the first one this week. Uh, a viewer wants to know how many years were between the creation of Adam and Eve and the birth of Christ? How many how long ago were Adam and Eve created compared to when Jesus was born? Well, we've got a pretty good record from Jesus' birth. Uh, we know that's in the 2,000-year reign, 2015 somewhere, uh, pretty close depending on which calendar you use. But how about before that? How, how old is the earth is one thing they're kind of asking here. Uh, and let me tell you right up front that uh, we don't know. There's not enough documentation given in the Old Testament. I know it lists the years for a lot of people. It says Methuselah lived 969 and Noah lived 600 and we've got all those ages but we don't have a complete record. There's a few gaps there. Uh, there's a big gap between Genesis 5 and Genesis 6. Uh, so people have tried to add all that up and come up with uh, all sorts of computations. Now I might say that you may have a Bible uh, some of the older Bibles included in them uh, Bishop Usher's calculations. And the way they put them in those older Bibles is this is fact. And Bishop Usher did a real good job. He was a thorough rascal. He went through the Old Testament and, and dug out everything he could find. And he came up with 4,000 years as the answer. I think actually 4,004 if I remember right, something like that. But he calculated between Adam and Eve and Jesus 4,000 years. Uh, there's some gaps that he just couldn't be sure of, uh, we believe, so we don't quote that as Bible. But some people see it in their Bible and think it's Bible. It's not. 
Uh, other people have calculated 6,000. Some have counted 10,000. Uh, of course, the non-God believers say it was billions of years or something, but uh, we don't know. Uh, I think it's closer to a few thousand than it is to a few billion, uh, but we just can't calculate it. Now, uh, 4,000 Bishop Usher's number, that might be in your Bible. Be wary of trusting that, uh, but it's an interesting place to start. So I can't answer that one. It's, that's not a biblical question, actually. They stumped you. Huh? <laughs> they got me on that one. <laughs> All, All right. right, why don't you do one? The next question is uh, uh, someone who says, <clears throat> asks the question, does it say that if you don't worship Jesus, that when he, uh, that when he comes back, he will, he will send you to hell and kill you? If so, why would I want to worship someone who is going to kill me? Well, the Bible doesn't say this exactly. Um, that might be your interpretation of it. Uh, but the, the Scripture says, in fact, that uh, God loves you very much. Uh, it says that He formed you in the womb, uh, that He had all of your days ordained before one of them came to be, uh, that He knows a word before you say it, a thought before you think it. And, and uh, He's crazy about you and uh, all of His creation. Uh, especially human beings, uh, they are created in His image. And um, so He does love you very much. The problem, however, is that uh, we have chosen not to love Him. Uh, we have chosen to disobey and rebel against Him. And that the Bible calls that sin, and that separates us from Him. Because your Father, as much as He's a loving God and loves you very much, He's perfect and righteous. Uh, so perfect, in fact, so holy that His eyes can't even look upon sin. And that creates a problem when He has lots of children who are full of sin. And so He dealt with this by sending His own Son, perfect, blameless, spotless Lamb of God. And He died and paid the price for your sin and mine for everybody's. And so that tells you, or should tell you, how much He loves you. Now, you do have an enemy who, who hates you very much and who hates God and doesn't want to see uh, the Father and His children reunited. Um, but let's look at John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. Jesus spelled this out very clearly. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Your Father, as much as He loves you, will never force you to worship Him or to love Him. I mean, love can't be by, by its own nature, can't be forced. It's not truly love if it's forced. It's, it's a free will. You have to choose that on your own, as does every other person. Uh, I think it's the best decision you'll ever make. I can't understand why you wouldn't, but God has left that choice in your hands, and He won't force it. I like this quote from C.S. Lewis, so I decided to put it on the screen for us. He said, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, In the end, Thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. I hope you'll reconsider your understanding of God. Read the scriptures and pay attention to how much He loves you and cares for you. Because He does. <clears throat> and uh, I hope that helps you and answers your question. Thank you, Toby. Good answer. Uh, viewers asking about John the Baptist and how he got his work done. How did John the Baptist baptize all those people at one time? Well, I would guess that the verse that our 
viewer has read is Mark chapter 1 and 5. I didn't put it on the screen. But Mark chapter 1 and 5 says that all of the country of Judea was coming out to listen to John the Baptist and being baptized. Okay. Well, that sounds like a whole bunch of folks, <laughs> especially if they all came one day. Uh, that would be a tough old problem to get that many people baptized. So, let's think through it a little bit differently. Uh, first of all, uh, John the Baptist had uh, about two years of ministry. So, whoever came to be baptized was spread out over two years. And the way the Bible makes it sound, uh, John pretty well worked seven days a week. He just seemed to be always out there preaching and whoever wanted to go could listen to him. And if they accepted his message, they'd be baptized. So, spread it over two years. And then there probably aren't as many people as we have in our mind, like we probably look at modern day Judea. Uh, back in that, those days it's estimated about 40,000 people lived in Jerusalem. Now, obviously there are more people in the country outside it and all that, but 40,000 is not an uh, insurmountable number if you spread them over two years. And <clears throat> it's obviously an exaggeration uh, to say that all the country was coming out to hear him. Uh, obviously people that were crippled, people that were shut in, people who were too sick to travel that far, uh, they didn't go. So not everybody went, and I'm sure there were some that were not interested. I'm sure all of the Roman uh, occupiers mm -hmm. probably didn't care to go listen to a, a crazy Jewish prophet that <laughs> came in from the desert. Uh, so not everybody went. Uh, it's just saying that a whole bunch of people went out to see John. And uh, let me just close by showing you that uh, there was room there to do it. Uh, here's a picture of the Jordan River at Anon near Salem uh, today. Uh, these are modern day people, tourists that want to be baptized in the Jordan where John was baptizing. Uh, so you can see there's a good wide spot of river there. In fact, the Bible says that's why he was there, was because there was much water there. Uh, now, if John had a helper or two, uh, he could have handled a lot of people in that much water. And uh, there's no reason he didn't have a helper or two. He had a lot of disciples that followed him. Uh, they could have done the baptizing. So, admittedly, when you read a verse that says everybody came to hear him and was baptized, that sounds like a project, but uh, spread it over two years, get some helpers, have plenty of water. Uh, you can probably get it done. So I always <laughs> think of, I worked a lot with teenagers, and you know sometimes something big happened. They say, "Oh, everybody was there," you know, and that's kind of I, th I yeah. that's the gist I got was you know yeah. it was the thing to go to, it was the place to be. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, everybody who was anybody was was yeah. going out there. I imagine everybody in Judea knew about John yeah. the Baptist oh, with yeah, all these sure. people going and talking. Uh, one other thing I left out is we know that some weren't baptized. Mm -hmm. uh, John called out the Pharisees and Sadducees who yeah. said, we'd like to be baptized. And he said, nah, he said, let me see some works. Uh, let me see the proof that you're really serious about yeah. this. So there were some folks he wouldn't baptize. Uh, so it wasn't everybody. Right. He, he baptized a lot of folks. <laughs> For sure. All right, let's talk about a good way to study the Bible. I, uh, we mentioned this week, each week. Uh, we have some free Bible study materials that we're happy to send you, and uh, we think they'll help you know your Bible. Uh, we've been doing this since the beginning of the program. Our, our goal is to get people studying the Bible because. Uh, it's God's book. It's His design for our life that verse Toby just used. He wants us to have life 
uh, and to have it abundantly. He wants us to have an eternal life, and He wants us to have a good abundant life while we live here on earth. Uh, we learn all of that in the Bible. So uh, we've got these uh, courses that we're happy to send you. There are eight of them in this series. A good introduction to the Bible, good basic Bible study, uh, not tied to any denomination or anything. It's just basic Bible knowledge. Once you get through this one, we've got some more detailed courses that uh, study one book or one topic and teach you a lot more about the Bible. So uh, if you're interested in that, just give us a call or log on to the website and say you want that free course. We'll get it started for you immediately. The way it works, you get one you know, lesson, and if you return it, you get the next one. It uh, gives you a little accountability, but also lets you stop anytime you want to. If you don't find it helpful, we won't bother you in any way. So, sounds interesting? Give us a call or log on and get it started. All right, Toby, got a little blasphemy question yes, here. And they want to know what exactly is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, let's just jump right and look at Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. And there Matthew writes, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, in that verse right there, it, boy, what is this talking about? You know, what, what is this unforgivable sin? And we get a lot of questions about uh, what is the unforgivable sin and what is this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit or blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Well, to understand exactly what it was, you need to look at the context of Matthew chapter 12 where the uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law were saying, as Jesus was casting out demons, it's by Beelzebub, it's by the power of Satan that he drives out Satan. I mean, they were, they were attributing the work of God to God's enemy, and that is the ultimate blasphemy. Uh, they were attributing the power and the work of the Holy Spirit that was being showed to the people so that they might believe. And he, they were looking at that and saying, that is of, uh, the, of the devil. That's from Satan himself. Well, and Jesus saying, that will not stand. You cannot, you, know, you can speak against me and say bad things all you want, but you do not speak the blasphem, uh, blas such blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't know, blasphemy is simply the act of insulting or showing just contempt uh, lack of reverence for God, for things that are spiritual. It is uh, an irreverent attitude towards something sacred. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're seeing the word of the Spirit here, and how dare you uh, uh, say that the Spirit is doing something evil, or it's from a, another source. So that's what he's speaking against. And of course, I think that is uh, an attitude that we ought to watch out against. We should never uh, blaspheme the Spirit and the Spirit's work, and Jesus spoke very strongly against it. So if you want to know exactly what it is, look at the context of Matthew chapter 12, uh, and that will help greatly in your understanding of it. But we need to keep a holy and reverent attitude and give God credit uh, for, what, for the work which God does and the Holy Spirit does uh, both then and today. So hope that helped you. All right. Thank you, Toby. Good answer. <clears throat> Got a question about Israel, and uh, this can be taken a couple of ways. I'll try to answer both of them. Uh, how do you view Israel in the present day? Well, uh, as an American, this is a discussion that we have politically 
who, how do we treat Israel and do we support them and are they an ally and all that. Um, as an American, I believe the state of Israel has a right to exist. Uh, I think they've got the right to protect themselves. Uh, I recognize them as a legitimate national in entity. Uh, I admire them. Uh, they are in the middle of people that hate them. Uh, they're a little bitty country and everybody around them wants to kill them. And they defend themselves and hold their own and stick up for themselves and uh, take care of their people. Uh, I hold them in high esteem and respect them uh, for the protection that they provide themselves and they're, they're willing to sacrifice for future generations. Uh, so all of that is how I look at Israel today, the political entity of Israel. But others, another way to answer this, ask this question is in the biblical scheme of things, in the theology of the Bible and end times and all that, where do I think Israel, the state of Israel, fits right now? Uh, the, the political entity of Israel, the state that's over there now, uh, I don't apply all the Old Testament prophecies to that. I don't believe that's the way uh, the Bible should be read. Uh, and here's my reason for that. God gave Abraham a promise. And he said, in his seed, all of the people of the earth would be blessed. Okay. Now, some people apply that to Israel today over in the Middle East. <clears throat> Say that's where the blessing is going to come from. Uh, Paul didn't explain it that way. In fact, let's look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. I'll read it to you. Uh, Paul says, The promises were made, that were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but it says, to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. All right. So it's in Christ that all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Uh, after the gospel was preached to the Gentiles, that was the mystery that Paul talked about was coming. It wasn't just for the country of Israel or the nation of Israel. It was for everybody, all people. And anybody that is, uh, exhibits faith in Christ and obeys Him gets the blessings of the covenant. Okay? So the blessings come in Christ, not through the nation of Israel anymore. Now, one more verse to make sure that's clear. Uh, it's 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Peter is writing to the church of Jesus Christ. And he says, the church of Jesus Christ is the true Israel of God, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Okay, so that's what I think of the modern day Israel. I believe it's a political entity. I admire it, respect it, uh, hope it survives. Uh, but I think the biblical prophecies and all of that come to us now through Christ. And uh, everybody who has faith in Christ is part of the true Israel, if you will. So that's my interpretation of it. And I realize there are lots of interpretations of that and lots of other ideas tied into end times and prophecy and uh, the millennial doctrines and all of that. But I think that's what the Bible says. All right, I think we got to talk about visiting church now. The, uh, we invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you every week uh, because they're the ones that keep us on the air. 
Uh, we've got a number of partners around the state and around the country that help keep us uh, broadcasting Know Your Bible, and we like to mention one or two each week. Uh, today, let's talk about the one in Brookings, South Dakota, uh, up in the north country there, and a great group of folks meet in this building in Brookings. Uh, Jim Mettenbrink is the minister there. I've met him and uh, talked to him, great guy, and uh, very able to talk to you about any of your questions and uh, certainly study the Bible with you. Let's look at the inside of their building. Uh, great place to be on Sunday morning. At 9 a.m. they worship together. Of course, that country is kind of wide open and spread out there, so people drive from quite a ways to get to, to Brookings to worship God together. And uh, if you live anywhere close, you'd certainly be uh, warmly welcomed there or at any Church of Christ near you in uh, the broadcast area. So we invite you to drop in. If you know someone that attends the Church of Christ, just tell them, hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day. and uh, They mentioned that you helped provide that, and I appreciate it. I like the program. So let them know that you appreciate it. They were a drop-in visit sometime. All right, Toby, you got one about sin? Uh, I think I oh, have a, a personality question. question. Okay, yeah, yeah. viewer asked the question, <laughs> is it considered a sin if a person is shy? And my answer to that is no, absolutely not. Uh, God, of course, makes a, a wide variety of people, uh, all different types of colors of hair and skin and uh, heights and weights and personalities even are different. Some people are very loud and outgoing. Uh, Steve talked about James and John, I think was your trivia question. They were probably pretty outgoing types. I think there's other shy, uh, quiet, less, uh, less outgoing, less boisterous, reserved folks. And they have a place in the kingdom of God, too, in all of creation. Uh, God has uh, many, many different types of people. Uh, there's a verse in James chapter 1, verse 19. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can look it up. And James says, Each one of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I've always thought that folks who you might call introverted, uh, those who are a little uh, shy, a little less prone to speak and so forth, uh, these tend to be people who have that gift. Uh, they're quicker to listen. Uh, they're slower to speak. Uh, when they pay attention to you, they're really listening. Uh, I, some of my very deepest friends in life have been introverts uh, because they, they take the time to listen and they're very thoughtful. And when they speak, you do pay attention because you know they've, they've definitely mulled those words over very carefully. So if you're shy, that's okay. If you're an introvert, that's fine. Just use the gifts that God has given you. Remember that you are uniquely created by God with a purpose. Let's look at Psalm chapter 139 where David says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. The old uh, Zig Ziglar line about God don't make no junk. So regardless of your personality, uh, you are created with purpose and for a purpose. So if you're shy, that's just fine. All righty. Thank you, Toby. <laughs> Good answer other than giving away the answer to the trivia question. Oops. Uh, my bad. <laughs> first time anybody's ever cheated on that and given the answer away before we got there. <laughs> We'll forgive Whoops. you this one okay. time. Okay, all right, this one time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Viewer wants to know, can a preacher become an apostle? And I assume he means a modern-day preacher. And maybe he's talking about his preacher at his congregation who has aspirations to be an apostle. Uh, now, I know there are some religious groups that 
use apostle as a, a term for somebody a little higher up than a preacher, I guess. I've seen it on church signs and things. Uh, and in one sense, the word apostle just means messenger. So if you're using it in that terms, you could call a missionary that uh, you sent to Argentina. You could say he's an apostle to uh, Argentina. He's a messenger. Uh, that's one way the Bible uses it. But I assume that this viewer is asking about uh, a real apostle. The word is used differently when it talks about the original 12. Uh, they were apostles. They were set apart. They were a special group. And if that's what you're asking about, uh, let me just read you the qualifications and then you tell me if your preacher can be an apostle. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 21, here were the, the restrictions laid down. Uh, Peter said, we've got to pick somebody else. Judas died, so we need a replacement. So we must choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time, from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness of, with us of his resurrection. So the requirements were you had to have been around since John was baptizing people, watched Jesus' whole ministry, and seen his resurrected body. Now, if somebody today meets those qualifications, I will point out one other thing. They're going to be really old. <laughs> They're going to be too old to get around very well. Uh, so, no, I don't believe a preacher can become a real apostle. Uh, anybody can call themselves anything, of course. So, if you want to use the apostle term as a messenger, uh, go ahead. The Bible doesn't do that for anybody like a preacher or an evangelist. But uh, somebody could do that today, I guess, if, if they so chose. But not going to be a real apostle. All right, Toby, one last one here. Yep, uh, the viewer asked the question, where did all the people come from after the flood? Well, the answer to that is they came from the family of Noah. Uh, of course, Noah and his wife uh, had three <coughs> sons and their wives that went on the ark, so there were eight folks in all, and uh, they came from that group, um, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their wives, and uh, possibly Noah and Mrs. Noah, for all we know. We'd, uh, scripture doesn't say specifically on that, but uh, people were still living for several hundred years at that time, and so they had a large window of fertility and families to procreate, and uh, it was certainly possible for just one man and woman to have many, many children uh, and grandchildren and maybe even great-grandchildren um, in that time. And so if you got eight couples, there were lots of them. Let's look at Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 and 19. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. So there's the answer right there. The family of Noah is where everybody came from after the flood. Okay, from three couples. I think that verse might rule out Noah and Mrs. Noah. Right, well, um, yeah. I've yeah, never yeah. thought about that before, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it says everybody came from those three. So, so. I'd say three couples. Fair enough. Uh, we're quite fertile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get the trivia question answered, although this is a bit anticlimactic. Uh, I, always, I always look forward so to revealing this, but today it's been revealed. What brothers did Jesus call the sons of thunder? Good old James and John. James and John were brothers. 
uh, and uh, they were they were a little rowdy. They were the ones that wanted to call down fire from heaven on people who they didn't uh, think were doing what they ought to do. So uh, Jesus nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder. <laughs> we're glad you've been with us today. We don't have time for any more questions, but we're going to be back next week trying to answer as many as we can. Uh, so we'll be back with you then to study the Bible. Until then, we hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.